This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. teaching on God's purpose in the family. And this portion here that I'm going to be continuing on is the purpose image of the male, the husband, the father. And my subtitle for this message, again, if you haven't been here the last three weeks, is Jesus Christ, the pattern for every man. And I'm going to go ahead and repeat a few things and try to do a quick review here because we have someone we need to be this morning. But I want to always repeat what the call is for the family. And the call is to produce spiritually and emotionally established believers who in turn get God's redemptive work done in the earth. See, always keep that in mind. God has, God has called us to a specific purpose. And like I said, in, from the beginning of in Genesis, it, he, he's laid it out for us. He said, subdue, have dominion, leave and cleave to your wife, dress and keep. You know, it's talking about the garden, but for us, dressing and keeping is what we do for our family. We dress and keep it and we work it so that we can fulfill the purpose of God. And again, we started off in Genesis and our, uh, our foundational scripture for this was Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 8 and verse 15 through 24. I'm not going to read all those again, but suffice it to say, it's talking about our purpose. Again, like I said, to leave and cleave and become one flesh with your wife. To dress and to keep your family. Uh, to subdue and have some dominion. That's part of your purpose too. And I know that's a general purpose that we've, we've discussed a few weeks ago. But Mills, I'm talking to you today and we still need to subdue and have dominion. If we're going to leave and cleave properly. If we're going to dress and keep our family properly. It starts there. And all these instructions on how to build your family are right here in the book of the Bible. These are the instructions that you cannot leave out. So as the male in the family, your purpose is your vocation. It's your career. The family is your career and it's a lifetime of work. The male is to cultivate, to protect, to nurture, to attend to, to preserve, to watch after, to counsel, and to guard his family. This is the call of the male. This is the purpose of the male. And so my question was the other day, or the, the last teaching was, what makes Jesus Christ a pattern for every man? And we went to a couple of scriptures. We went to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29, and Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read the latter part of Galatians chapter 3 and go right into Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 29. But the latter part of Galatians chapter 3 says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. And then in Romans 8 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he has known beforehand, he is also predestined to bear the likeness of his son. That he might be the eldest or the firstborn in a vast family of brothers. Now, we, we dug into that word firstborn or eldest the, the previous times just to see what makes Jesus Christ the eldest or the firstborn in, our fa- in, in the vast family of brothers. And we saw that eldest or elder, interestingly enough... No, besides meaning the end sample or one to be watched or the mentor or the motto, it means the patriarch or one to be followed, the father. And it's interesting to me, right, because he's the pattern for every man and he's the patriarch or the father of your eternity. You males should be the patriarch in your home. You should be the model to follow if they're following after Christ, if you're following after Christ. You should be the patriarch in your home. And I said last time, you know, as the male in the house, you not only have to be a husband to your wife, but you have to be a father too. And understand... When we went through the everlasting father the other time, explaining it, when I say father, you have to be the high priest in your home. Father, so not only a father to your children, but to your wife. That means you have to wash her with the word. You have to teach her. God gives you the commandment, and he commands you to teach your family 
wash your family with the word. Just like he did Adam in, in, uh, in Genesis here, you're supposed to wash your family with the word and keep them. And then again, like I said, um, Jesus Christ is our everlasting father. And we kind of com- we compared it to Adam. Has he's been the elder or the, or the father of fallen man. Jesus Christ is our father. He is the father of a new creature. He is the first fruit, the first to rise in an immortal body. He's the founder or the originator of his own race. An eternal father of a new creature, a holy nation. That's the race you are. A royal priesthood. A chosen generation. He has a, a whole new order of people. He's the captain of your salvation. And we refer to Romans chapter 5, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, and that's referring to Adam, so by the obedience of one, the everlasting Father, shall many be made righteous. And that's referring to Jesus. And we're not going to go through all the everlasting Father as we did before, but keep those things in mind. And we did refer to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, and we looked at the characteristics of Christ. And again, we're not going to go through these again, but I am going to say what we, what we, what we had to come to realization from that passage of Scripture is that Christ must have preeminence in all things. He must be first in all things. And he must, be, he must have preeminence in your life. You must make him first in all things in your life. And when you do that, you will do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father, that is the image that Jesus shows us. That's the pattern that God is pleased with. A pattern of obedience. A pattern of service. And we all know that service requires action. And we said last time, success as a male or a father or a husband comes when you realize this one fact. The action of the service is not about you. It's not service and action to yourself. It's service and action to your family. Uh, service and action to purpose. Service and action to the Lord. That's what makes you on purpose. That's what makes Jesus Christ your everlasting Father. Because when he was here, it was all about service and action to the will of the Father. To the Lord. So, and the issue today is, like I said earlier, many men think that it's about them. And about what they want. Because a lot of the ways of the world has seeped into the ways of our thinking and has drawn the man off purpose, drawn the family off purpose. We begin to worship the creature more than the creator. But he's created us. He's given us our purpose. So we have to go back to his instructions to know where we need to be. So we said that a lot of time, you know, a lot of men think that you know, the image should be tough and hard and emotionless, always working outside the home, not able to receive counsel, thinking that they're better than women and things like that. But just because we were created for it first, it has nothing to do with priority. It has everything to do with your position or your responsibility as a male. God has given the male a responsibility. And that's why you were formed first. That's the position you've been given. Like I said, it has nothing to do with priority. Quit thinking that you're better than anybody or that because you were formed first that you're godly. It has nothing to do with your relationship. And I said this before last time. Being saved or saying that you're filled with the Spirit and things like that, that doesn't mean that you're on purpose. That doesn't mean that you're ready for a family. That just means that you're ready, to, you're ready for heaven. But for family, you have to chase after God's purpose. That's your responsibility. That's, like I said, that's your service to the Lord. You have to chase after His purpose. And approach your family with any other attitude will cause division in your home. And we looked at Philippians chapter 2 and we saw from verse 3 to verse 8, when you, when you try to approach with these different attitudes instead of approaching with the attitude of purpose, you bring contention or strife in your home. Argument, conflict. You start seeking praise or vain glory like things belong to you. But the key is, in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 and 8, it says, But Jesus made of himself no reputation. You have to empty yourself of yourself. 
Because remember, it's all about service. That is the pattern. Service. For the greatest among you is he that serves. And that's what you've been positioned to do, male. To serve. So submit yourself. Be humble, as the Lord did. And become obedient to the purpose of God. Remember, the highest priority is the direction of the home. And if you're not pleased with the direction of your home, then Father needs to check himself. Don't go to the wife. Don't go to the children. Don't blame your parent, your job. Don't blame your boss. Remove the beam from your own eye. Look at yourself first. The reason the man needs to look at himself first is because the family is in the hands of the male, whether you know it or not. Whether you believe it or not, it's in your hands because you've been positioned to. You're the patriarch. You're the model to be, you're the model to be, to, to, to be, to be, to be, I'm sorry, you are the model to be mimicked, if you will. The one that will be followed after. You're the head in your home. No matter what you do. So whether you're choosing Christ or not, you are the model that will be mimicked in your home. So you have to chase after purpose. You have to see if there's an issue with you first. Remember, if the tree is bad, the fruit is bad. I'm talking about you males. If the tree is bad, the fruit from your family will be bad. So if things aren't going the way that, you, that you're planning or they should be in your home, it's Father's responsibility to correct it. It's Father's responsibility to get it right. It's Father's responsibility to look and see, have I missed it anywhere? Am I submitted like I need to be? So what is the pattern for every man? And again, I said this earlier, emptying yourself of you and removing the beam from your eye that's how you give your life for your wife. That's how you give your life for your family. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We want to see what Christ did. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And we need to move. I'm still in review here. But we're going to move. Ephesians chapter 5. And I have to read this again. Verse 25. And it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There's your pattern. Loving your wife as Christ loved the church. And giving your life for it. That's a lifetime of work. And the thing is, as a male, you need a, you need a female who will yield and submit to help you in this career. To help you in this vocation. Just like when God, when God saw this about Adam, he made him a help meet. So you need a female that's able to submit and help you in this career. But if you have a wife that won't submit, that means she's out of control. But when you see an out of control wife, don't go straight to blaming her. What did I just say? Take the beam out of your own eye first. Because the out-of-control wife is evidence of a husband who doesn't love as Christ loves the church. And we went through a couple of things of the, the evidence of an out-of-control wife. For example, she likes to do her own thing. You know, spend, spend money without, you know, consulting with her husband. And when I say spend money, I'm not talking about I went and bought a cup of coffee. No. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Having credit cards and maxing them out, things like that. Not consistent in raising the children. Disciplines one one way and one the other way. Yes, the children are different, but they all need discipline and they need consistent discipline. You can't discipline them about one thing one time and then let them get away with it another time and, and let them slide this time. No, you have to have consistent discipline. But if the, if the mother does, if the wife does this, this is evidence of the father who's not loving as Christ loves. Remember, you're the patriarch. You're the high priest in the home. Women who complain about men to others, 
about the, the about their husbands to others, about the decisions that they're making to others. That's an out of control wife. One that Minister Haitian touched on this manipulation through sex, manipulation through tears, trying to get what they want. That's a, that's a sign that you're not loving as Christ loved the church. You have to give your life. And let's look at verse 23 of Ephesians 5. Go a couple of verses, verses up. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So Christ is the Savior of the body. So that means just as, just as we are the, the body of Christ, your wife and you are one flesh. So you're, you're not her dictator, you're her deliverer. Just as Christ is the Savior of the body. That's the thing about the wife. The, some women, and some will, actually we all do, we have spots and wrinkles that need to be ironed out. They need to be cleaned away. And to do that, you have to be deliverer of the family. But how do you be deliverer of the family? I said it earlier, you have to wash them with the water of the word. That's your service. Yes, the, the wife does have a service too, and it's, it's submission to her husband as unto the Lord. But you have, a, you, you, have a, you have something that you need to do as well. See, if you want, the, if you want the, the marriage to have harmony, you have to do your part. Quit concerning yourself with the other part. Get the beam out of your own eye. The, the, the wife will submit to the husband that lays his life down for her. That, those are the dynamics of marriage. It's not submit yourself to me and then I lay my life down. No. Husband, don't even worry about her submitting. You lay your life down for the family. That's what you need to be concerned with. Let me tell you, when God is dealing with you, He's not dealing with you about somebody else. Take the beam out of your eye so that you can, in turn, minister to your family. Be the high priest in your family. Be the patriarch, the model in your family. So let's read here. We're going to go to, we're still in Ephesians 5. I'm going to read verse 26 through 28. And it says, or actually I'm going to start at 25 again. Husband loves your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See, see how Christ washed he cleansed and sanctified the church and presented it to himself. That is the role of the father. That's the role of the male. To wash with the water of the word. To counsel your wife. Not only in word, but in deed as well. They need to see your actions. Did you, know, did you know Jesus Christ was about that action? He was about that life? He didn't just speak it. He walked it while he was on this earth. That's the, let me tell you, I, I tell you, that's the most effective way to minister. Is in your walk. And he was about that life. Sanctifying and cleansing. And what I said what I said last time, cleansing is you're washing away and get rid of those things that have nothing to do with God's purpose, that'll pull you away. And sanctifying is adding those things of Christ to your family that'll put you in his purpose. Fathers, we're not, we're not, we're not concentrating on the women, we're not concentrating on the female, we're talking about the males and their responsibility. Oh, the, the, the females have a responsibility too as well, but we're talking about the position of the male. Washing with the water of the word. This shows your love and your commitment to your family. When you're committed to the word. See, because there's no way that you can wash your family with the water of the word if it's not in you first. 
Uh, anybody can open up your Bible and read it to your family, but are you living it? That's washing with the water of the Word. Let them see that. Let your children see that. Because when you don't do that, when somebody is, when you neglect your position, then another person in position goes lacking as well. Just like Eve did. Adam neglected his position to keep her washed with the water of the Word. Allowed the, the enemy to come in and pull her away, and he didn't keep her washed, and what happened? They fell into sin. Because Adam wasn't a, listen, what, and Adam tried to, it was this woman you gave me. No, sir. No, sir. Because God gave you the commandment. And you're to keep your family washed. That's why we have to always seek after the purpose of God. Uh, if you don't have the knowledge of God's purpose, things are going to come your way that are going to pull you so far away, and next thing you know, you're going to look up and your family is in, is in hell. Hell on earth. And you won't know where to trace that back to because you haven't been on purpose. And what did we say last time? So a man, a man without the knowledge of God's purpose is distracted. They become frustrated. And what do we say frustrated is? It's a feeling of distress because of an inability to change, perceive, or achieve something. We say that the frustrations prevent, prevent one from progressing and succeeding in purpose. Frustrations will get one to move from a fixed point. And all it shows is that you were never fixed on that point from the beginning. That point being purpose, being Christ. Because if you're fixed on Christ, trust me, you're on purpose. And we say that the highest priority is the direction of the home. I, I won't change it if I say this. Your highest priority will be the direction of your home. So if Christ or if God is not your priority, He won't be your direction. It's whatever you put, it's whatever you put up. And when, when Christ is not your priority, that's when the frustrations come in. You start getting off your, your game plan. And what did we say last time? You start swinging for the fences. And you're not abiding by the instructions. And what happens when you swing for the fences? I, I, I talked about a boxing match. You swing for the fences, and then you leave yourself wide open. And I guarantee you, with the ways of this world, you're going to get hit. And as you go down, so does your family. Because you're the patriarch in that home. You're the one that they're following. You're the one they're learning how to choose from, who to choose, what to choose. And if you allow these frustrations come in to distract you and pull you away, your family would do the same thing. We talked about how to deal with or dealing with frustrations from your children. And get, get this in your mind. I'm going to repeat these things. Get this in your mind. It's okay. Your children will make wrong decisions. That's part of the, the washing of the water by the word, cleansing and the sanctifying. They will make wrong decisions, but that's when Father steps in. That's when Father makes sure that his wife is washed with the water of the word so she's able to step in. And then when you do correct their, their incorrect choices and things like that, you have to stay consistent. You can't just correct it one time. You've got to come back to it. Make sure they continue choosing the correct thing until it becomes their habit. Until they pick up the ways of their patriarch who's learned from the everlasting father. But your consistent instruction needs to come with consistent actions on your part. That means you can't be a hypocrite. I'm not saying that you don't make mistakes. I'm saying habitual mistakes, they're, not, they're no longer mistakes. You're a hypocrite. 
if you see your children getting pulled away or strayed away from the purpose of God, you need to ask yourself, what have I allowed to go on in my eyes, in my house? Do I allow them to hang with certain people? Do I allow them to see me hang with certain people that pull me away from, from God's purpose? Do I put things before God in their eyesight? Am I consistent in discipline? Do I turn to others to discipline my children? Like coaches at school, uh, like the ones who teach Bible study or, 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 or uh, Sunday school in there. Let me tell you something. You can't trust your discipline. They're here a couple hours a week. You come here to get the instructions, then you have to apply it. You know, I'll, I'll never forget, not too long ago, there was a family, uh, members of this church who, they ran into some issues with their child. And when I say issues, I mean sexual issues, where it was turning out to look like their child was choosing homosexuality because of an incident that happened here at church. And so we addressed it with the, with the, the parents of this child, and it's so funny to me because they're like, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I kid you not, a week later, this person comes to me and said, have they done anything else in the back at church to show that they have, that they, you know, have they changed? And I said, I said, well, seeing as there's only been one service since the last time we met, and they've been in your house this whole time, how would I know? Father, See, you can't trust your discipline to people. You get your instructions from the church. But you don't, your, your discipline is ongoing. It isn't, do what you want to do during the week and then we come to Sunday, come get your discipline. No. It's ongoing. And of course, this person got upset and I'm like, well, I don't know why you're upset with me. This is, this is going on in your home. We gave you some things to do. You tried it for one week and now you want to come back and say, did they do anything else in the back of church? I'm like, did they do anything at home? Did they do anything at school? Did they do anything? Are you watching them? Because we're... Father, this is your role. This is your responsibility. And if you don't step into that responsibility, you're going to have frustrations with your children. All the days of your life. Then we went on to frustrations with your wife. And again, if your wife is frustrating you, husbands, males, start with yourself. Start with the little things. I, I mentioned last time little things like because people might say this is just actions these are little things that you could do yeah it's the little actions that you show Christ in it's the little actions that are the crossroads for example I said do you help around with the menial things at, house, at, the, at the house do you help wash clothes do you help clean dishes so those are little bitty things yeah but it shows the care for your family Christ shows up in the little bitty things when you just feel like, oh, I can just leave that to her. That's her responsibility. Yeah, well, she's frustrated for some reason. Have you examined yourself? Are you doing everything you can around your house to increase peace? Because what do we say? Peace is conducive for purpose. Are you doing the things that you need to do as a male? Are you being romantic with your wife? And remember, I see all these things, all these things, if you, if you want to boil it down to one word, it boils down to service. That's the word. Obedience and service. Do you make a big deal out of your wife like you do for Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, and I'm talking about every day. I'm not talking about, oh, it's a special occasion, let me, let me get her some flowers, let me do No, she's special every day. She's your wife every day. 
Have you been romantic with your wife? Showing her that you care. Have you showed her that you appreciate her submission? Have you showed her that you appreciate her spiritually? Have you showed her that you appreciated her physically? Emotionally? All these things are part of leaving and cleaving. And if you want your wife to submit, you have to show her these things. Uh, you have to give your life just as Christ did for the church. That means married people, when you are having sexual relations with your wife, it can't be about you. But here's the thing. If you're focused on purpose, service to your wife, that'll bring you joy. That'll bring you pleasure. And I tell you, if everybody's focus is on service, the husband and the wife, if you're focused on being a delight to your wife, and she's focused on being a delight to you in service, then I guarantee you, you're gonna have, nobody's going to go to sleep disappointed. Focus on pleasing your wife because that sends a message. That sends a message to her that she's first in your heart. Instead of just being like, in, in all areas, not just sex, but in all areas, like I got to get mine. I got to do what I can do for me first. I call that, I call that the lottery mentality. I got to get what I can, can all I get, and sit on that can and get it for me first. And that's something else. There's another, that's, that's something that's been keeping men in bondage their whole life. And we're going to get to it too. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you got to get rid of that mentality. Like it's all on you. Like I need it. It's for me. It's all about service. All about service. Marriage means that our bodies, they're now claimed by God for service to one another. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And he has instructions for those that have been bought with a price. And they're here. Uh, and he covers every aspect. From, from dating to sex in your marriage. Uh, oh, husband, you need to date your wife. Date, it, it blessed me because I, I, I still, I hear, I hear it all the time. Minister Hayson and I were talking yesterday. He was like, oh, I had date night with my wife. See, that's somebody who's keeping her washed. Because he's showing in his actions as well. Focus on service and you'll be satisfied in service. Uh, because again, you're washing your wife and your family with the water of the words you presented to yourself. Loving as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. That's how you should love your wife. And in turn, when you love your wife that way, guess what? You're loving your whole family. So in that love to your wife, that, that goes to your children too. That's understood in that statement. I hope y'all know. Small, every, small, day, small things, every, everyday things, but you have to show Christ in those things. Because in those small everyday things that you do every day, see, those things that you do every day, they do, you do them every day because they mean something to you. And if you can't show Christ in those everyday things, then you're showing something else, and those are the things that are important to you.
It's not, it's not the way that Christ you. It's not, it's not what Christ has purposed you to do. It's all about you. And what did I say that the males have to get in their mind? It's not about you. It's about service to the Lord and service to purpose. Man, you have to practice being kind to your wives and let your children witness it. Just like anybody else, especially if you have a wife that works, you know, she, she may come home and she may have had a horrible day at work. Oh, I do too. I, I understand, Mel, but guess what? You've been positioned. Suck it up. You may have some of the same issues she has, or even worse, but it doesn't matter. Suck it up. You've been positioned as the male. She may come home, and she may, may start to cook you a dinner, and that dinner doesn't turn out right. What then? Are you going to be just like maybe somebody she's heard at work? And be like, you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. You don't know what your wife has seen. I'm not, I'm not saying lie to her. I'm saying praise her for what she's done. She doesn't need to hear the same thing from what she hears out in the world from her husband, the one who should be loving as Christ loves. See, you, know, you, never, you never know what she goes through during the day. And then come home and hear the same thing from her husband. That's detrimental. Uh, I guarantee you're going to see frustrations from your wife. We're talking about dealing with frustrations. You're treating her just like anybody else out there, but you're supposed to love as Christ loves the church. I guarantee you'll see frustrations. Oh, oh, now you see why you're frustrated with your wife because you're causing the frustration. You, uh, take the, remove the beam from your own eye. Take out your own eye first. If your wife is frustrating you, don't go to her. Check yourself. There's always some things that the male can do to change it. Because the, the temperature of the family is in your hands. Frustrations with your jobs and desires for money, things like that, that can distract you from purpose. Let's turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at this money thing because that's a big thing with males too, right? I'm bringing home the bacon and I need to get this money. Let's go to, let's go to 1 Timothy. Let me get there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. And this verse 6 is, I mean, really, we could stop here, but I'm going to read 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation, and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See, it says those who will be rich pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Because being rich is your goal. It's no longer the purpose of God being your goal. It's about getting that money, getting that bread, being rich. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being monetarily wealthy. But when that becomes your purpose, that's when all hell can break loose. It said, it said deceitful, I'm sorry, and you fall into snares and temptation into many foolish and hurtful lusts. 
which drown man into destruction and perdition. See, when you focus on money, when that, when that happens, you start making decisions off of temporal things. But these, these decisions off of these temporal things have eternal effects. You begin to move your way and move your family away from godly counsel and around the influence that affects your greed in your heart. Get around those things that will help you get your pocketbook up. You can sacrifice receiving instruction as long as you're getting this money right. Satisfying their wants, not their needs. Because God, let me tell you, God is concerned with their needs, not with what you want, because your wants, they'll lead you to hurtful lust, destruction. Perditions. He just said it. You begin to do things like we're, we're in the Christmas season, and you see things that you want, and you, and like I said, it's all about your wants, right? You do things like starting to get loans just to get things that you want, just to look like I'm providing for my family, putting yourself in financial bondage when you should only be in bondage to the Lord. You shouldn't be bound to anything but Christ. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And these things, like I said, they lead to destruction both temporarily, temporarily and eternally. You see destruction happening in your life all the time. You know, being in financial abundance like that to loans and stuff, and, 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 and it's, it's a funny thing about loans because they try to keep you over years and years. And it's funny, as soon as you pay one off, they'll send you a thing and say, well, now we can give you more. That's destruction. That means you owe somebody. Like I said, you're in bondage to somebody. And then you wonder why you're frustrated. Get loans to pay loans off. Well, maybe if I can put all these together and pay it with this one loan and just have one bill, you're in bondage. And you're dragging your family through this. And that's not... See, those are the actions when I say they need to see you washing with the word by your actions. Sometimes, you know what you have to say, especially to your wants? You have to say no. Father, and enforce that no. But again, the answer to this frustration is right back in verse 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment here, you know what that means? It's talking about sufficiency found in Christ. That's the contentment it's talking about. Being happy and content with who you are and what you have found in Christ, that's the great gain it's talking about. It's not talking about your monetary gain. See, you've got you to remember our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. You hear great gain in this world and you automatically go to thinking monetary gain. Things that I can gain. A house, a car. That's not the great gain he's talking about. Great gain is not an earthly gain that secure your wants, but it's the greatest and truest of riches that secures the soul. He's talking about righteousness. The first fruit. This is why Jesus Christ the righteous is the pattern for every man. We just talked about him this past month, been the fulfilling of the tithes, right? I believed on Jesus, and it was counted to me for righteousness. 
but believed on or believing, that's the everyday thing. You have to continue in the faith. Because faith work is patience. And fathers, you need patience. That's what ser- to serve, you need patience. You need endurance. Because you're going to run into some things that will, that will combat your, your patience, your endurance. So it'll make you want to give up. But the development of your, your endurance, it shows that you're living on purpose. Because when you're living on purpose, that's when you get opposition. And that's how you develop endurance. So if you don't have any endurance, you may not be living on purpose. Living on purpose develops endurance. Develops patience. And then it says, those that will be rich pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And it's so amazing. Let's connect this, let's connect this sorrows, what this is talking about. Because when I say sorrows, it's talking about sorrows, it's talking about thorns that can choke the word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 22. And we're all familiar with the parable of the soul and the seed. But verse 22 says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. He become unfruitful. Those are the sorrows. That's, that's what the sorrows of this world do to you. It choked the word right out of you. You become unfruitful. You do things like, you know what, let me, let me go to a family member and ask them to borrow money. Put yourself in a position that you know you're not going to pay it back. And then you put yourself in a position to be at odds against somebody in your family member. And, your family, and guess who sees it? Your wife. Your children. All because you will be rich. Pierce yourself through with many sorrows. Choke the word right out of you. Forget the word. Because you will to be rich. Frustrating yourself. I'm content with where you are and you fall into the snare. And, and let me tell you this. The enemy, all he does is present and persuade. You make that choice to fall into the snare. Males. That's why I said the word needs to be in you. You've got to get the instruction first. It needs to be in you first. Because all the enemy is doing is pre- presenting and persuading. You have to bite it. You have to bite the fruit. Looking for the quickest, easiest way to get what I want for me and my family right now. That, that's that lottery mentality I'm talking about. When God wants you to, be in, to, to endure and be content so that you can have great gain. Not this temporary gain. Doing thing, see, that lottery mentality will get you to do things like ignore the principles of God. Choke the word out. Ignore the principle of God, like, like sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. But that's the thing about it. You have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you focus on his righteousness, then the principles of God work for you. Like sowing and reaping. Oh, let me put it to you like this. Reaping and sowing is going to work regardless. But the positive aspect of it is when you focus on his righteousness then his principles will work for you. Because I'm going to tell you this, the principle of sowing and reap will, it's going to work for you whether, whether you know it or not. That which you sow, you shall reap. 
So focus on his righteousness. So when you sow, that's what you reap. Uh, you know, God knows you have monetary, monetary needs and things like that. Focus on his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Leave the rest to him. You have to learn to be content. What do we say? He, he, he that followeth after righteousness finds righteousness in life. What's that? Proverbs 21 and 21, right? Let, let's go there real quick. I think we went there earlier this month, didn't we? Maybe last month. 21 and 21. Yeah, because we were talking about kindness. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy or kindness findeth life. Righteousness and honor. Uh, remember this, Christ is life. <laughs> so he that follows after righteousness and kindness or mercy, you find is Christ. Christ is the righteous one. And mercy is his service to us. His kindness is his service to us. So husbands, follow after righteousness, serve mercy or kindness to your family, and bring them to life. Uh, bring them to Christ. Let them see Christ. What else? A man without the knowledge of purpose is lazy and confused. I, I love this. And I don't have a lot of time to get into this today, but I, I have to get into laziness, especially for the male. So what is laziness? Laziness is a slow, comfortable path to self-destruction. See, laziness, that's the constant wear and tear on the families of today. Are we still in, we're in Proverbs? Let's, let's go to Proverbs 18, verse 9. If you're not there, I'm already there, so I'll read it. It says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Turn over to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 real quick. And it says, I'm going to read verse 18. By much slothfulness, the building, de the building de decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. See, in both of these scriptures, it says destruction, decay, uh, or corruption are shown to, the, to be the, the cumulative effects of neglect. Laziness. Let, let, let's take a car, for example. You can get in a wreck and immediately total your car because of a one-time mistake, Right? On the other hand, let's say you don't get into any wrecks or total your car, but you don't upkeep that car. You don't give any oil changes. You don't rotate the tires. You don't get tune-ups. You don't, you don't change the brakes, etc. Doing nothing will cause that car to incrementally, uh, incrementally decay as well. And total itself out. So who needs wrecks and totals when the same effect can be, effect can be accomplished by doing exa uh, absolutely nothing? That's laziness. Oh, just because it's a longer period of time? Look, that's, that's a longer period of time for the corruption. Laziness. Proverbs 26. Verse 16. It says, The sluggard, or the lazy man, is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. 
That, that's amazing to me. You know, you know what question came from the scripture to me? Can a lazy, can a lazy person be proud? Uh, you know, there's a saying out there, right? I'm poor, but I'm proud. When I say poor, remember, I'm, I'm not talking about what the world calls wealth. You have to keep this in your mind. Remember, all things are made by him and for him. Remember, we were talking about the Colossians, the preeminence, and all things are created by him and for him. So we have to focus on what he calls riches. And his riches is righteousness. And according to God's word, all too frequently a reason that a person is poor or lacks righteousness is because he is proud. See, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Let's think about it naturally, right? How do many wealthy people become so rich? And, I, and we're going to take it spiritually as well, but I want you to think about it naturally first for your understanding. How do most wealthy people become rich? It's because they're willing to take advice and apply it. They humbly listen to the counsel of those with experience who are already successful. And in following that, that, that advice, they become successful themselves. Uh, their humility leads them to seek counsel and advice. But a lazy person thinks so much of himself and believes that he that it should come to him without working, without seeking the counsel, without learning, without getting the, following somebody who has that experience. Laziness is a sign of pride. You think things should come to you without having to work for them. And then you start to justify yourself with excuses. You know, oh, uh, the conditions aren't really right for me right now to do that. You're lazy. If I had this or I had that, I could do this or that for God. You're lazy. If I'm going to do this, I need this first. That's lazy. Wiser in his own eyes than seven people who can render a reason. That, that's what the scripture just said, right? At the root of the lazy person's wisdom is pride. And, and let me tell you this, because I don't want anybody to get confused about works. And there's there's a confusion about work, a confusion about works. I want you to understand this. We're saved by grace through faith. Not works of your own. But works into the picture as a necessary part of your growth. Uh, within God's purpose. Not salvation, within God's purpose. Salvation is a finished work of Christ. That's a finished work. But laziness plays a part in why we don't grow. We grow because we work. Uh, we work at overcoming our problems. Again, like I said, it, it has nothing to do with your salvation, but it does play a part in how we grow. You can't be lazy. The works, if you're too lazy to work at overcoming things, though you may be in God's kingdom, you won't reap the rewards of an overcomer. Uh, and you want your family to be an overcomer. And if you want that, you cannot be lazy. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to beat those feet. You have to put your hands to the plow. Your family is the plow. They're your ministry. They're your career. They're your vocation. And it's a lifetime of work.
That's the we're talking about cleansing and sanctifying. Works are that, that's 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 important. That's that's what leads us and shows us His ways. We have to grow into what He is. Uh, growing into what He is, it requires work on your part, effort on your part, Mel. Because uh, once you grow, you are the pattern. You're the patriarch, and your family will grow. God gives you the commandment first, then you wash your family with the water of the word. He said back in the beginning of the book, let us make man in our, in our image and our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish. That's the work I'm talking about. Subduing and having dominion. Let's take it back to what we did earlier in this teaching a few months ago. You need to subdue and have dominion over yourself first. Over your little, you as a little world created by God. Subdue and have dominion. So that you can leave and cleave. And dress and keep. And raise a family that's on purpose for God. And I'm out of time. We will pick this up next week. You can be dismissed. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.